like every hospital, every building or every um, company, they have a plan for in case of fire, what they are going to do. We still have to have a um, plan what happens if there is a disaster in such areas. How are the patients going to receive their dialysis? How the patients are going to secure their medications? This episode of the Global Kidney Care Podcast is hosted by Professor Ifioma Lassi of the Department of Medicine, College of Medicine, University of Nigeria. She is a World Kidney Day Steering Committee member and will lead a discussion on this year's World Kidney Day theme, Preparing for the Unexpected, Supporting the Vulnerable. Hello, good afternoon, everyone. Good morning, good evening, and good night. We are once again having the World Kidney Day podcast And this year, we are poised to discuss preparing for the unexpected, supporting the vulnerable. Of course, with our overarching theme of kidney health for everyone or kidney health for all. And today we have very able nephrologists from different spheres of life, from different parts of the world, from America, from Middle East, from South America, from Asia, and what have you, to discuss World Kidney Day this year. And of course, we all know that World Kidney Day comes up on the second Thursday of every March each year. So today we have to discuss on uh, this year's World Kidney Day. Introduce yourselves. So uh, I'm Ali Alfa. I'm a nephrologist. I'm based in Beirut, Lebanon. And I am also the chair-elect for the ISN Renal Disaster Preparedness Workgroup. Hi everyone, I'm Dr. Lili Xiao. I'm also a nephrologist. Yes. I practice at Brigham and Women Hospital, Harvard Medical School in Boston, North America. Um, I run a community outreach program called Kidney Disease Screening Awareness Program, KDSAP. This is a community based. So, so the World Kidney Day is very dear to my heart. And I think that this year's theme is uh, incredibly important. I am Dina Abdel-Latif, and I am a nephrologist from Cairo, Egypt, and uh, I am responsible for the patient dedication in the uh, Egyptian Society of Nephrology, and I'm currently the Secretary General of the International Federation of Kidney Foundation. I am Ifomo Lassi. I'm a professor of medicine of the College of Medicine, University of Nigeria. I live in Africa, practice in Nigeria. So I know quite a bit about people being vulnerable, uh, people with kidney disease being vulnerable. So thank you, everyone, now that we have introduced ourselves. Okay, so I, I would like Ali to discuss the aspect of, of unexpectedness of a crisis, be it natural, artificial crisis, or man-made crisis. Thank you very much, Dr. Lassie. So uh, unfortunately, where I am right now in Lebanon, we have been facing a sequence or a series of unexpected crises that uh, directly impacted uh, patients with kidney disease. And that uh, generated the interest in preparing for such uh, instances. So I will say by giving examples, it will cover the various aspects of what uh, one might face in their community or in their country. We started with a major uh, refugee crisis from Syria and other neighboring countries in 2015 and on, and probably a bit longer culminating in 2017 with a significant demand for renal replacement therapy and other 
uh, uh, renal care. Very shortly after that, we Lebanon was faced by a significant economic crisis and an ongoing uh, collapse that has continued till this moment. Came the COVID-19 pandemic that affected everybody, and that does not help. And to top it off, all on August 4, 2020, Beirut witnessed or experienced the third largest urban explosion in Hiroshima and Nagasaki that was non-nuclear from uh, ammonium nitrate. All of this uh, uh, kind of added to the vulnerability of our patients. The explosion knocked out four hospitals immediately and made more than uh, 300,000 people without homes and many, many thousands injured. So, so we quickly needed to mobilize in the setting that were already difficult between the COVID-19 and the economic crisis and the lack of supplies to take care of all the patients that needed dialysis immediately or later to uh, uh, understand what is the scope of such a major instance uh, or event right away because you did not know what was going on. And that adds to the vulnerability and and the need to prepare and understand your system. Thank you very much, Ali. That must have been terrible. Having four crises, one after the other, must have affected many of our patients and their dialysis, their medications, being able to receive what treatment they needed to receive. And even normal people who may have gotten a, um, acute renal failure from the fire or from the... Um, being wounded during the uh, fire and all that. So uh, I'll move on to Dina. Dina, you, uh, part of our talk is on vulnerability. And we know that many of our patients are vulnerable, even without any crisis. So I would want you to touch on that aspect, being that uh, we are all from, uh, both of us are from Africa. And- Recently, actually, there are many um, disasters that are happening worldwide. And um, not just for the COVID-19, but many areas are having uh, floods or having earthquakes or having uh, hurricanes. And this will mainly or mostly affect the vulnerable or the patients with non-communicable disease. Those uh, disasters will lead to more new patients with uh, diseases, whether it's acute or deterioration of the chronic patients. And we have the old patients that are already available in the country. Also, there is loss of the infrastructure uh, of the country as a result of uh, the floods or of the earthquakes, or at least it's um, uh, less capacity of those centers for more patients. This adds to more problems and more financial problems and uh, constraints on uh, the government too. In the kidney patients, the kidney patients are a vulnerable group of patients and we have many aspects, patients on chronic kidney disease, patients who are on dialysis and we have our transplant patients. So for the chronic patients, for the chronic kidney disease patients, many of them lose uh, follow-up during the uh, disastrous times, especially if we're talking in the COVID or in wars or or such uh, disasters. So these patients miss their follow-ups and they get deteriorated. The dialysis patients are in serious and real uh, problems uh, the centers cannot accommodate the patients. 
the centers cannot accommodate new patients that are developing after the disasters. And uh, in a situation like the COVID, there was the issue of the uh, distancing of the patient. So even the same center could not um, accommodate the same number of patients that they used to have. Transplantation patients had a problem in receiving their medications. Patients were uh, asked to stay at home, uh, road closures, and patients could not reach to their centers to get the, uh, their medications or to continue with, with their uh, follow-up. Mm-hmm. Many centers developed the telemedicine follow-ups or the telemedicine um, uh, clinic uh, uh, meeting in the clinics rather than uh, uh, physical uh, meetings. So this could be uh, uh, solved with some of the problem, but of course, uh, this was very limited. Also, some centers for the dialysis patients, they increased the home dialysis therapies, but of course, this was not available in all centers or in all countries. So the patients on dialysis or on transplantation were struggling during the COVID COVID period. I would like uh, Lily uh, to discuss the aspect of how we came about this theme. Okay, so thank you, thank you, Fiona. Yes. So, you know, listening to um, Alice uh, uh, and Dina's uh, sharing, which is a, um, it's a really touched my heart because of what what Ali mentioned about uh, uh, the examples, the recent example happening in Lebanon, which is I don't think is unique. Um, you know, there's a, a natural natural disaster, uh, which is totally you know, unexpected, and also had a man-made, uh, quote-unquote man-made disaster, right? Uh, like a refugee, um, you know, war. Um, and, and, and both uh, Adina and Ali mentioned, patients with a kidney disease are particularly a vulnerable population, okay? They, they are very complex. Um, you know, most of them, they have multiple comorbidities, uh, in addition, just uh, dial- you know, kidney disease or particular those uh, dialysis patients. They also have other conditions, for example, diabetes, you know, they need a, a medication to control their uh, glucose, uh, etc. hypertension, they need medication, uh, how accessible they are when uh, um, this kind of disaster uh, happen. And... Um, and that's why, under you know, and in the wake of a COVID nineteen pandemic, um, a struck. I mean, it's just not single country; it's globally. And because of that, the uh, World Kidney Day uh, Joint Steering Committee therefore decided uh, the theme for twenty twenty three World Kidney Day will be uh, uh, very timely uh, to set as uh, kidney health for all and preparedness for the unexpected, and particularly in the supporting those uh, considered a vulnerable population. Um, so, you know, nice, very nicely to, uh, to uh, you know, both of them sharing the story and, and uh, uh, rightfully it fit into the theme that uh, uh, working in day uh, for 2023. Thank you very much, Lily. Considering what is going on in the world this period, COVID, and the wars going around in different parts of the world and the natural, other natural disasters, I think it's really apt that we have this uh, theme for our World Kidney Day this year. So 
So I would like to ask you, Lily, to tell us how unexpected crisis has affected you in the Western world. Because we have discussed what has happened in Lebanon, discussed what has happened in Egypt and Africa. We want to know how the unexpected crisis affects you in the Western world. It's a very much similar. Uh, it's interesting how, you know, how when 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 this when the disaster struck, um, and um, it sort of kind of I don't think situation. Sure, there's a, a local uniqueness there, but also can fit into globally. Uh, you know, from the Western world, from where I am, uh, you could see uh, what uh, both Ali and uh, Athena described. It. Um, a lot of a delay here because of no access to the medical medical health system uh, due to uh, uh, completely, you know, if you recall, 2020, pretty much uh, United States completely shut down. Uh, we, you know, um, um, so there's a lot of delay here. Um, and we saw all trickle down to 2021, 2022, and even now, uh, we started to see a lot of uh, uh, patients come, coming back uh, um, with much worse kidney function, all right? Uh, what I normally see is um, patient will be uh, having seen by a physician for a long time. And, you know, um, finally they got access, then they will discover that the kidney function is markedly the worst. And instead of waiting for the uh, available clinic to be seen by a physician, they were instructed to go to emergency room. So that in turn, um, um, sort of kind of jump up the emergency room capacity, okay? And and a lot of them require a, a, an admission to the hospital. So again, they also uh, 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 jump up the uh, uh, inpatient system. I'm sure that uh, uh, Adina Ali probably see the similar situation in your uh, uh, respective country or area. Oh, thank you very much, Lily. Um, just to touch about the aspect of vulnerability a little bit more, because, you know, patients from the low income and low and middle income countries are already vulnerable without crisis. Most of them cannot access dialysis. Most of them cannot get their drugs as at when they need it. And most of them obviously do not even have access to transplant. So basically, from the baseline, they are already disadvantaged, are in crisis already. So um, that is why it's good to bring out this aspect of vulnerability. Maybe people can now relate to what happens in the lower and middle income countries and lower income countries. So they understand that people are very vulnerable. People don't have access to these uh, amenities at all. Uh, um, Ordinarily. So um, once again, I say that I am particularly happy with this uh, theme because I bring, I believe it will bring to the fore the issues we have in Africa. Okay, that said, I, I was thinking that in the US, because you have a lot of uh, tornadoes, a lot of fires, a lot of uh, some of these natural dis disasters that cause uh, or worsen aspects of uh, uh, management of kidney patients, that by now you probably would have your act together concerning how to handle emergencies. But we see from what happened during COVID that we are all very vulnerable. So can you speak to that, Lily? Um, um, yes. So, so equally, uh, um, 
so the I think is the health system uh, in you know uh, over, uh, uh, overall the health system current available health system I think is um, um, is in uh, is insufficient of uh, uh, um, to prepare for a unexpected disaster. Okay, in normal circumstances, seems you know we are okay. But under this unexpected, for example, COVID, uh, you know, is all of a sudden is coming, but it gradually is become expected. We know it's not disappeared yet; it's there. But the health system still not enough time to modify itself to uh, to prepare is itself or or able to prioritize. Okay, um, the uh, you know the vulnerable, you know the population of patients who are uh, vulnerable, uh, whom should be the prioritized for the care. Um, and and Nadina touched base a little bit telemedicine. Okay, and and even uh, in United States, what we what I um, uh, uh, there you know there's a plenty of publication there already. But my personal experience, what I see is a lot of elder individual. Uh, they are they are incapable of uh, navigating the tarot system, all right? Um, and they are lost, and they don't know how to navigate that. If there's a, a family member who can help them, it's a different story. That's one thing. The second thing is not every single uh, household actually has a well-established uh, a system or uh, social media to allow them to even u- utilize the system. To access it to the health uh, healthcare system, um, that's where I see so far. I think we are we are we are not we we are not doing uh, 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 enough at this aspect either. I hope I answered your question. <laughs> Thank you very much. You did, and I would like Ali to uh, talk about that some more because Ali, you have had uh, several um, crises in your environment. You listed about four or five of them. And one would think that from the learning points from all those crises would help beef up the way you handle uh, uh, unexpected crises. So I would like to have you discuss how your health, what health systems can put in place to help take care of crisis, um, crisis situation for our patients. Yeah, thank you very much. So uh, it clearly opened our eyes to how unprepared we were. And we wanted to learn from this experience where we can share uh, some of the uh, uh, lessons with with the community worldwide. And more or equally important to connect our communities together so we can help each other because the one in a crisis needs somebody else not in a crisis to help them. And this is exactly what happened with us. So I'll start by saying that... uh, the ISN uh, 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 response group, the Renal Disaster Preparedness World Group, reached out to me very quickly, asking me what is the situation and what do you need. And once you try to make an assessment of the needs, uh, the, the network will enlarge very quickly, and and uh, others will get into the network of uh, of uh, supporting you to as a community in crisis of what what you need to do. That means also opened our eyes that we did not have a national disaster response task force, so we needed to create some semblance of that very quickly on the fly through the national society, but that probably is a task that needs to be taken up by all societies worldwide to 
under normal circumstances to define who responds, how, who, who is your emergency contacts, who are your key contacts that you need to establish. So that could be the uh, uh, the suppliers of your uh, uh, medications or dialysis uh, uh, equipment. That could be that you have a database of your patients with all the numbers and alternative numbers. That could be that you have files ready that can be sent to another dialysis unit with allergies or key medications or prescriptions. So there are many levels to the preparedness. One key aspect of preparedness is also no non-renal world uh, entities that you need to connect with. We learned that we need to talk to maybe the local WHO office or the regional one in, in Cairo for that uh, purpose for us, or with uh, 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 Doctors Without Borders or, or or similar organizations that would be able to help you in one aspect, maybe not all aspects, but they're all together will be able to 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 be able to to help you. So these are things that. Each, each community or, or, or country can can work on to, to establish a response plan before a disaster hits. Now, each country is prone to a different kind of disaster. Some of them may be predictable to some extent, be it, uh, you know, earthquakes and an earthquake or floods, but natural ones uh, 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 or man-made ones, uh, I mean, uh, are not always predictable and the response rate will be different and probably unique each time and hopefully only one time. So, so I think we, as a community, as a global community, we are obliged, it's a responsibility to, that we work to safeguard our own communities and then share the experience and connect with others around the world so we can help each other because this is a significant burden that cannot be shouldered by one group or one country alone right away, especially vulnerable uh, uh, countries, uh, smaller countries, not so affluent countries, and uh, where the uh, as I heard my colleagues say, the infrastructure is already uh, under duress or not 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 strong. <laughs> so, Adina, uh, I would like you to uh, chip in on the aspect of uh, what you would like uh, the government or um, the international organizations to do during such a crisis. Well, actually, like uh, uh, Dr. Ali has just mentioned, then. There should be a plan, like every hospital, every building or every um, company, they have a plan for in case of fire, what they are going to do. We still have to have a plan what happens if there is a disaster in such areas. How are the patients going to receive their dialysis? How the patients are going to secure their medications? What if there is some road closures? How are the patients going to move? So this should be communicate, communicated with all, with the governments, with the uh, NGOs. Uh, and this should be through the societies and through the NGOs that there should be a clear plan for what should be done in such situation and what are the centers that should be supporting um, other centers, uh, maybe in the same region or in the same um, nearby cities or nearby countries if it's uh, a bigger uh, disaster. Um, we should secure a better or introduce more the telemedicine 
it can help in some situation. Of course, telemedicine is not the best option. Still, we do not see the patients. We miss the clinical uh, sense or the clinical examination of the patients, but still it can be part of the communication, at least during this uh, time. We should promote more for the home dialysis, or at least we should be ready to increase the home dialysis patients uh, at the time of uh, the disasters, if this could be uh, applicable. Thank you very much. Yeah. So I listened to both Ali and Dina, and then they remind me about the uh, uh, the uh, uh, PHEP, uh, Public Health Emergency Preparedness, which is developed by a, a group of Canadian uh, uh, group. And, and in there, there's a dimension 11 steps, okay? And uh, uh, within those 11 steps, many are already mentioned uh, uh, here, for example, communication, engage the community, uh, um, uh, 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 what is called risk analysis, um, uh, collaborative with net, uh, networks, which is uh, mentioned here, um, and uh, um, so, uh, so so surveillance and monitoring also another uh, issue. And, and I think the another part we we uh, I think we we did mention is the you know govern, governance and leadership uh, i think maybe you know i i be, I be, uh, touch a little bit about that um and, and, you know that's always uh, challenging to me you know i maybe pose a question to uh, back to you guys um so in terms of you know collaborating with the community which is i you know uh, i think is a very important or any other network or or uh, you know um and how in in, in doing the doing the good time you know, because we are preparing for the uh, the disaster or the unexpected. How do you know who should take the lead, and how do we kind of help to identify who will be the leader, right? When things come, whom should we go to? Uh, from the government coming down the community, you know, whom to go to, or the community need to go to government, whom do they they know to go to. Um, so you know, I like to hear from uh, uh, the. Uh, the 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 uh, colleague here. See if you have any thought on that. Uh, thank you, Lily. I, I, if you allow me, I would say that the ISN Renal Disaster Preparedness Workgroup has seen the need for something like this. That's kind of a manual off the shelf that's available everywhere that people will go through and try in the pre-disaster phase to prepare in a during a disaster what to do and post-disaster recovery phase. So we're working on a, a practical guide for these three aspects and the groups are already putting this together that we hope it will be ready in the next six months or maybe a bit uh, uh, shorter or longer where it is not to kind of summarize what happened around the world is because is to actually tell you what can you do to prepare uh, and what to do when there is a disaster, whom to reach out to, and be as applicable and comprehensive to every setup, but may not be, uh, you know, of course, uh, a replacement for what everyone can do now, which is also start thinking locally, nationally, in the, or countries within the region, like within the regional board or within the regional networks of what, what, who are the key people to call, have somebody always responsible to update that list or database. And also, as, as you mentioned, they're very important within your community, 
who are the key people you really need to know their phone number or their contacts, maybe establish contact ahead of time for, yeah. for areas that are prone to a kind of disaster. And, and I think it's a cumulative work and we, we, we need to put it out and it will be uh, uh, a, of help to the people in need and hopefully not often, hopefully not at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. This is very uh, uh, good work that uh, you have just mentioned. And I think this has to be communicated with the uh, regional societies in each country. And mm-hmm. after that, this has to be communicated with the Ministry of Health or with the government, because at the time of disasters, they are the one who will be taking the lead and who can. So this plan has to be uh prepared and has to be communicated with the government. And um, as you have mentioned, that all the contacts of the patients in each area has to be available and in in, in, uh, in the time of um, a disaster or whatever happens, those patients has to be contacted directly from their hospitals or from their governments who will be uh, uh, responsible for providing the support at that time. I think I agree with both of you that the government has to play a major part because the yeah. government is actually, everybody is under the government. They are able to walk through the uh, Ministry of Health to get everybody together. But in helping them prepare maybe the proposal or the protocol to follow, we in um, associations or societies or organizations can help them because we are academic. We are the people that uh, see it happen and we can prepare the protocol for them, which they can distribute to every, uh, every hospital. Because the thing about crisis is that it doesn't tell you when it's going to come. I mean, you don't know when, it's going to, uh, when you're going to have a fire. So usually in every every office, in every big building, you have a fire drill once in a while. Maybe we should have something like that with a, a proper a public health plan for disasters and drills so that we are sure that everybody is on top of the situation. The people to call when you need to call, how to get their medications, the pipeline to get their medications through, how they are able to access their dialysis and all that. And uh, um, of course, there are caregivers one can or care partners one can get in touch with to make sure that um, the patients get what they need. Uh, so I think that has been a very, very, very interesting discussion. So uh, another aspect I would like so that we can kind of our uh, patients that are, that are listening may want to hear personal experiences we had with patients during this period, I'm sure we had a lot of personal experiences of uh, patient difficulties during this period. So if we have any, we can share. Dina. Um, I think the situation of uh, the COVID is a very special um, uh, situation. It's it's a worldwide uh, disaster happening at the same time. Um, I don't think, and I, I hope this will never happen again. But because every time disaster happens, it's it's located somewhere or it's specific to a country or to a a special region. But um, the COVID was a a panic attack that's going through the world. Um, We all had experiences with the dialysis patients at the beginning of the COVID time where they couldn't reach their centers 
or there should there was a, a distance social distancing in, or limiting the number inside the centers so the centers had to work for a very long time and we had sometimes we had curfew here in uh, Egypt so this was um, a tough time for the patients reaching to their uh, centers were taking a very long time to reach to their centers or going back very late from centers because of the change of the time of their uh, sessions. Or if the patient um, got COVID, and this was a panic at the beginning of the pandemic, that what are we going to do? How, where are those patients going to be dialyzed? And it took some time till the centers prepared themselves or or found a way to transfer those patients to uh, different uh, dialysis centers. All the transplantations um, and all the elective surgeries were postponed at the beginning of the uh, COVID pandemic. And this was for a quite long time. And so many patients uh, did not well, were not able to receive the transplant uh, because of the COVID time. Uh, at the beginning, there was the medication issue that we have mentioned before, but this was uh, solved. Uh, yeah. So I think that we have all faced all these problems, and this was a worldwide uh, problems that we had. One thing I want to share with this group is um, what we have right now. Uh, another issue I think I think we haven't touched base yet is workforce shortage. Um, we lost a lot of uh, 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 healthcare providers, um, all levels, right? Physicians, mm -hmm. nurses, technicians. Um, I don't know um, if the same happened in your region. Um, right now in United States, um, we, you know, we, I think we are encounter uh, uh, a workforce shortage. And, um, and I think in terms of the, for the disaster or uh, the disaster preparedness, I think this, you know, how to retain the workforce is another incredibly important factor we need to think ahead of the time. Uh, in addition to healthcare, we talk about you know, help, you know, people can help deliver medication, kind of uh, the other things to help community people. That also including may volunteer, right? How do we uh, recruit volunteers who are, you know, doing this kind of disaster or uh, emergency? How do we mobilize those people to step up and able to help out? Um, um, so I don't know if uh, any of this, uh, of you have any suggestion or any thought on this in terms of workforce issue. Yeah, I think workforce uh, shortage resonates with everybody. There's workforce shortage everywhere. And um, during the crisis, it even became very obvious because you had so many patients that needed to have one form of dialysis or treatment or the other. I recall um, during COVID and uh, we had patients who had the acute renal failure from COVID who needed dialysis and uh, it was difficult. We had mm -hmm. to we had to create an um, emergency um, uh, dialysis for COVID patients. Everybody was scared because at that time, you, I mean, everybody was so scared that it did, it came near you, you caught it. So, but uh, we managed to um, cordon off an area for um, COVID patients who have dialysis, and we succeeded in dialyzing quite a number and saved them. So. Um, 
But getting your your staff to be part of it was a problem because obviously you don't blame them. Everyone was scared. And knowing that we have such a staff shortage and the very few you have, you have to uh, um, create another dialysis um, uh, room for um, COVID patients was a problem. But I believe um, that has gone through and we have learned from it. One thing we have learned is that it's possible to dialyze them easily without even getting the disease. And fortunately, COVID is not as bad as it was at the time. But that was for COVID. We can have another disease that comes up that is um, worse than COVID. But it's for us to learn from what happened with COVID and know how we can um, handle um, our patients and know how we can offer them the, the services they need. So, um, Ali, do you have anything to add to this? Yeah, thanks. I, I, I fully agree with Lily about uh, the, uh, uh, the sh- potential shortage. Uh, this could be also uh, economical because people look for better opportunities. And uh, so that we should include as a vulnerability point uh, uh, in any uh, preparedness. Uh, I also uh, uh, want to uh, really salute the patients that really rallied to help other patients in the moment of need. That could be yeah. checking on their neighbor patient in a dialysis unit. That could be uh, a, uh, giving a, a supply of medication they may have extra of that uh, uh, could be you know, contributing to a fund within a unit to help others when there is a, uh, you know, a, a bit of, uh, of, of uh, ability to do that. And all of this will actually end up being very important uh, uh, safety net for a community or for a dialysis program. I also want to mention that there are other patients that are quite vulnerable. We should not forget our kids that uh, uh, could be in higher need of support uh, if they are, uh, you know, on dialysis. Patients at home that could be vulnerable also with depends on the supply uh, of peritoneal dialysis solutions or home dialysis solutions in some places, electricity and all of these. These are all vulnerability points as well, and there should be any plan for this uh, preparedness. And finally. The transplant patients are also vulnerable. Patients can lose their kidneys because of the lack of immunosuppression. And this has happened uh, in, in some situations and it is not acceptable. And all of these need to be thought of ahead of time to, 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 to mitigate or eliminate such a threat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dina, do you have any aspect to add to this? Um, well, we have. Um, I, I totally agree with Lily that we, at that time, we uh, we have a shortage, and doctors and nurses should be trained how to deal with this uh, um, hard times, and they should be prepared, and they should know well how to protect themselves too. And um, I believe the relatives of our patients. Um, are the best volunteers in these situations. And actually, this is what happens during the crisis, that usually the relatives of the patients, they help their relatives and they help the other patients too, because they are the most ones who can feel the situation. And they know the details of uh, the places where the medications and they could could be um, the best to support. 
So let's give you an example about you mentioned about the uh, vulnerable population. In addition to our patient, we need to think about their family, uh, children. Um, it's just one one quick example of what we, what uh, what we did in my dialysis center. In addition to you know um, uh, cover you know help out you know mobilize a family member or other patients support other patients, we also uh, um, uh, kick off a uh, we call it we established a small food pantry. So in our own unit, so people donate the food and whoever are able. They buy food and and they would donate it, you know. Uh, and then uh, we in our dialysis unit, we set up a small corner and we put uh, the the uh, goods and foods there. So it's uh, is you know any patient who you know um, they are free, uh, uh, welcome to to take whatever they need and as ma as many as they need. Um, and so this is a small thing that we can do is from the small, uh, you know, even at one, we started from one place uh, can be done. And we thought about that because we, same as Ali mentioned, we also want to, we think about their family, not just patient self. Also, you know, when they go home, they have access to the grocery shop to even, you know, all transportation. Uh, Athena mentioned about transportation. Uh, it's same thing in the United States. Many people may not have access. Uh, without a public transportation uh, assistance, so, so they cannot go anywhere. Uh, so this is just one small example of that. Talking about uh, patients helping others and um, their caregivers helping other patients, uh, I recall during the COVID, uh, patient group became kind of fortified because they needed to get their drugs together. So people who had connections or links of how to get medications, help the others get their medications. And that was key. And that kind of brought uh, the patient group together. Now we have a patient group led by one of the patients, you know, and this was what happened during the COVID. They got to know themselves because they needed to get uh, these medications that they were uh, using and that was difficult for anybody, everybody to get. And uh, that way they kind of began to bind you know, to know themselves better. So a, a few a few things came out of um, having the crisis of COVID. People knowing each other, patients uh, relating with others and coming to help others. Um, so um, I was still asking about patient experience with particular patients. If, if you have any experience with a particular patient, maybe patient, I, I recall one of my patients who um, couldn't get his medications and uh, of, uh, for his um, kidney transplant and he lost the kidney. So these are some of the things that come off this crisis that we need to look at. And of course, I also recall some of my patients who couldn't have their dialysis and um, complications that came up thereof and such stuff like that. So this is why I think we need to, as, a, as a, an association, as International Society of Nephrology, maybe come together through Ali and uh, his group in Lebanon who have had so much experience, come up with kind of a protocol of how to um, handle a crisis. And I think uh, our editorial and uh, Lily mentioned some aspects of it, of the um, uh, preparedness aspect, how we can prepare for, um, for crisis in the different countries. 
I think it's important we get to that stage so that uh, people know what to do when we have such crisis. Um, Ali, do you have anything more to add before uh, we begin no. to conclude? Uh, no, thank you very much. I think this has been a wonderful discussion, uh, comprehensive about a very important uh, uh, issue that uh, cannot be left without uh, uh, proactive action. And uh, yes, this is uh, a, a, a global issue for sure and affects uh, uh, patient populations and their families uh, all over the world, also the staff. Uh, that uh, take care of our patients are also in a vulnerable population. We should not uh, forget that. And we hope that all of us together, we can make the impact of any such disaster or or uh, or uh, un un unforeseen circumstances much less uh, serious in their impact where our patients are always safe. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh, Dina, last word, Dina. Um, well, I believe that the theme of the World Kidney Day this year it's really very important and it touches us all and all of us have uh, um, faced this situation of uh, the crisis and um, all the issues is also discussed in the editorial that will be published very soon and actually has um, done a great uh, job putting things together and um, I hope uh, in the coming few months, there, there could be a plan that is ready and it's available for everyone that can refer to at the time of crisis. Thank you. Thank you so much. Lily? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, this has been fun. And then uh, uh, here actually uh, so many uh, um, uh, uh, real experiences, real-time experiences. So I took two things I want to make. One is this is a this is a, a reinforce uh, what we have been saying is there's a need to have a better understanding and improve the health system, which is able to fulfill the needs uh, to be able to improve um, and provide the ongoing complex uh, uh, care for a patient with a kidney disease. Okay. The second thing is. Um, the, uh, we need to, um, this is the, we wanted to promote the Walking Day this year to, that's the purpose of Walking Day theme this year. We want to bring this out to the community, reminding the community people, you know, should think about the unexpected and start to think about in their personal level or community level, how do they start to prepare? And uh, what Ali mentioned about the resources, where can go? Also incredibly important. So then we can, you know, from the working day, uh, uh, so the committee, we, you know, we, we will take this and bring it into the community, uh, at the individual level, at the community level, uh, bring their attention, uh, awareness of need to think about, uh, preparedness, uh, even at the day of, uh, at the day of, uh, um, uh, I call it good time um, uh, for uh, preparing for the uh, uh, what is unexpected coming. So thank you for this opportunity. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you very much, Lily. Thank you, Ali. Thank you, Dina. And everyone listening, we want to say that there is a place, a path for everyone to play in this um, preparedness for the unexpected. The governments, the local and international organizations, the professionals, the patients, their care partners or caregivers, and the community, we all have a part to play. 
to see that we bridge the gap during this uh, crisis. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you, um, ISN Secretariat, for making this possible, and the World Kidney Day Secretariat for making this possible. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you for listening.